ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಹೈ ಅನಾಶ್ರಿತ ಕರ್ಮ ಫಲ ಕಾರ್ಯ ಕರ್ಮ ಕರೋತಿ ಸಸನ್ಯಾಸೀ ಚೋಗೀ ಚಿರಗ್ನಿರ್ನಚಾಕ್ರಿಯ ಕಾರ್ಯ ಕರ್ಮ ಕರೋತಿ ಒನ್ ಹು ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ದಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಡನ್ ಅವರ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಇನ್ ಅ ಮ್ಯಾನರ್ ದಟ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಆಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಶುಡ್ ಬಿ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಸೊ ಟೂ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಇನ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ಆ್ಯಕ್ಚುಲಿ ದಟ್ ಒನ್ ಶುಡ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ದ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರಿಕ್ವಾಯರ್ಡ್ ಬಿ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಒನ್ ಶುಡ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ದಟ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಇನ್ ಅ ಮ್ಯಾನರ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಪ್ರಾಪರ್ ಸಮಟೈಮ್ಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಶಾರ್ ಅವೇ ಫ್ರಾಮ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಡ್ಯೂಟಿ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಮೇ ಬಿ ಪೇನ್ಫುಲ್ ಟು ಡೂ ದ ಕಾನ್ಸಿಕ್ವೆನ್ಸಿಸ್ ಮೇ ಬಿ ಪೇನ್ಫುಲ್ or sometimes a duty that we are required to perform may not be very uh, it may not be offering any uh, interesting results it may not be uh, it may not satisfy my ego it may not you know be very there may no incentive sometimes in performing the task that is in front of me and therefore there may be a tendency to to give it up in the 18th chapter lord krishna says dukha mitya yat karma kaya klesha bhaya tajet somebody gives up what the duty because it is just too painful because it is too much trouble and therefore a person sometimes does not do what is required to be done <coughs> which means that sometimes to do what is required of them one may have to be one may have to be willing to accept unpleasantness or pain also like sometimes you have to be unpleasant also in your dealings if you happen to be a, a lead group leader a manager and sometimes you have to let go a person working for you now sometimes that becomes very difficult or very painful or sometimes you feel guilty that you are causing pain to somebody but ultimately if that is to be done that has to be done in short in our life there are things which we are required to do which may not be always pleasant which may be painful also and even if it is painful to somebody it may cause pain to me because i become the cause of somebody's pain but sometimes if in the interest of in the larger interest that has to be done that has to be done so karyam karma whatever is appropriate in a given situation the yogi does that and he says sometimes doing what is right requires courage also sometimes stick your neck out sometimes you know to do what is right and so sometimes say give me courage to change what i can and so sometimes doing what is right requires courage sometimes doing what is right requires me to be able to live with pain or unpleasantness sometimes doing something is not interesting at all because it does not seem to produce any personal benefit for me and still one has to do that so karyam karma therefore as we said in the morning that there is what we call a script for every role that one has to play and therefore one should play one should perform one's role according to script so in, in this cultural program that we have at the end of the week one mother last week tells me swamiji my son is very upset 
little boy. I said, why? Because he just got a role of becoming some bird or an animal, that's all. Nothing else. He just comes to the stage as a bird and goes away. Nothing to talk. He feels, uh, you know, he doesn't like it, he's hurt. So this is also a, this is also a role to be performed. Meaning that sometimes what we have to do may not bring us any great uh, name, fame or recognition. What we do may not be visible also. Some people just have to do the background work and nobody knows what they are doing. <coughs> Everybody wants visibility. Everybody wants the world to know what they have done. And therefore sometimes where such a visibility is not there, the work is not interesting. Because it does not give me any visibility, any credit, and so also people are not interested. No, that is, for various reasons people just let go or drop what actually is required to be done in a given situation. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Anashritaha karma phalam. Without taking into account what karma phalam meaning, without taking into account what personal benefit is involved. Meaning that this yogi performs action not because it brings a personal benefit to him or her, but performs action because it is the right thing to do. <coughs> so doing what is right to do and doing the right way also. And right way is, as we said, while performing action, we follow dharma or the basic values of life. And that also is not easy at all. Following dharma or the values is not easy. Because it is everybody's experience that compromising values such as honesty or truthfulness sometimes has great incentives. I can get away with a lot of benefit if I tell a lie. If I am dishonest, and says very often, by compromising values, we stand to gain something. There are temptations. And so, that is the reason why the values seem to lose. Because we have these two kinds of values. One is what we call the universal values, such as non-violence, truthfulness. And the other values also, and that is for wealth and name and fame and prosperity. Those values also we have. <coughs> so these values of non-violence, the truthfulness of our universal values. Because we are born with an awareness of those values. We are born actually with a value of those values. Everybody basically has value for non-violence. Inasmuch as I do not want to be violated or hurt by anybody. Everybody has a value for truthfulness inasmuch as I do not want anybody to tell me a lie. I don't want others to be dishonest to me. I don't want them to steal something that belongs to me. In that sense, we all have value for these basic values, universal values. And therefore, if we had our way, then we would always want to follow these values. If, it was, if I had a way, then I would always want to be truthful, want to be honest, want to be non-violent. I would not want to compromise values because I have an inherent love for them. Unfortunately, what happens is that we have other values as well. And that is the value for wealth, or power, or recognition, or name or fame. <coughs> so when, when there is a clash between these two kinds of values, That on one hand, there is honesty, on the other hand, there is image. So, Swamiji, what's the salary? You know, suppose somebody says, no, I hesitate telling what my right salary is because I don't think it's, I'm not very proud of it. What's your, on the, on the birthday, when they celebrate, they ask you, how old are you? I don't have to tell them how old I am. So, usually I, I, I tell them five, ten years less than what I actually am, that's all. Because I have a certain image of myself and I want others to also do the same kind of image. They are simple things. 
But in simple things also, we often tell small lies. Then when it comes to big things, we will certainly tell lies, perhaps. So therefore, we have these two sets of values. One are what we call the universal values with which you are born. Others are what we call acquired values, such as those of the wealth and name and fame and power. And when there's a clash between these two values, that's when the conflict arises. <clears throat> that is why where there are values, there are going to be conflicts. And who is this yogi? Karyam karma karodhya This yogi or karma yogi performs an action in keeping with dharma or in keeping with values, even though it may mean that he has to live with some pain, he has to bear some loss, he has to give up his chance of promotion or something like that. He may have in short sacrifice some gain in terms of either wealth or name or fame and one has to be prepared to let go these things that alone it is possible to follow the values. Following this value is not convenient at all, it's not easy. Every time it requires me to give up some attachment. Attachment to wealth, attachment to my image, attachment to my ego, attachment to some power, attachment to some material gain is always required in order for me to follow the values. Had it not been required, every person in the world would be honest. But because I have greed, and that greed sometimes is more powerful than my value for honesty, and the greed compels me to tell lies or be dishonest. As you see in the world happening everywhere, big corporations also, big executives, whose salaries are in terms of multi-million dollars a year, they don't know what to do with their money. And still, we find that they become dishonest for the sake of money. I don't know what it is. You can see how powerful this greed is, that more we get, more we always want. And that's not only with wealth, it's with the name, fame and power also. More they say, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So these things are very corrupting values. And more we have, more we want. Man never thinks whether or not this is really what I want in my life. But because this is how the greed is, more you have, more you want. Sometimes out of anger, I, I, I become violent and that's how I am insensitive to other people's feelings and then I wind up doing something which hurts others. So whenever I get overcome by my impulses of karma, krodha, loha, impulse to indulge, impulse of anger, impulse of greed, impulse of jealousy, whenever I become overcome by these impulses, I wind up doing something which violates the basic values. So, karyam karma karodhi. In order to perform an action in keeping with values, I must keep under check my impulses of kama, krodha, lova. If I do not do that, I cannot practice values. It's a beautiful process. Provided I have value for the values. If in my opinion, honesty is more valuable than money, and non-violence is more valuable than promotion or something like that, then alone, usually, we don't have the value of values, and therefore, these material values seem to always win in the conflict between the universal values, or the spiritual values, or moral values, and material values. Therefore, it is important for us to recognize that the moral values are more valuable than material values. If there is a clarity, then alone I will be able to let go of my temptations, my attachment to the material gains, and practice the value which is valued by me. <coughs> All of this is involved in Karma Yoga. So performing the duty and not sucking the responsibility. Performing the duty even though it may be painful. 
performing duty even though it may not bring any great uh, recognition to me. And performing duty by on the, on the on the basis of dharma, on the basis of values and not compromising values. Karyam karma karodhyaha, this is a karma yogi. Anashritaha karma phalam. And this becomes possible when he is not dependent upon karma phala, not dependent upon the results of action. It is not that a karma yogi performs action without expectation of a result. Because nobody can perform an action without a certain purpose in mind. So karma yogi also performs action with a purpose in mind. People usually translate that words, karmanyavadikaraste ma phale Perform the actions without expectation of results. What is meant there? Perform the action with the attachment of results. No, expectation of result is one thing, attachment is another thing. An action cannot be performed without a purpose. I mean, you cannot be driving about unless you want to reach a destination. You cannot do anything unless there is some purpose behind it. That purpose is called prayojanam in Sanskrit. Never, it is understood that every action is performed with a purpose in mind. The purpose can be to acquire wealth, that can also be purpose. A karma yoga will not do that, but it can be purpose. A karma yogi will not perform actions for the sake of this material gains anyway. Because they say a karma yogi is necessarily a mumukshu, meaning he has understanding of the basics of the life. Say in the morning that yovibhuma tatsukham, happiness is only in that which is limitless, happiness is only in the self. So he is very clear that my life should become a process of unfolding my true nature, of removing obstacles which deprive me of the benefit of what I am. Therefore, his primary purpose of performing actions is to get rid of the obstacles rather than acquire things that he does not have. So, karma yogi does not shoot generally for wealth and name and fame because he is not a karma yogi, he is a samsari. At the same time, therefore he is not dependent dependent upon the result of the action for his comfort or happiness. Whatever result comes, he is willing to accept gracefully. There is a purpose. But he does not insist that just because I perform an action, that it must necessarily acquire, I mean, you know, it must achieve a certain result. Just because I do something, therefore it must work out, he doesn't have this insistence. He leaves it to Ishwara, he leaves it to order that here is what I did, this is my offering to you. You do what you want to do with it. Sometimes when we give a gift, then we make a condition, you know, Swamiji, this I am giving, but it is for you personally to use. It is only for your use and not for anybody else. So this lady comes and gives a very, very expensive shawl to this Swami. And even as this woman is standing, this Swami gives it to somebody there, right there. Now that was a bit too much, I think, you know. I think the Swami should have waited, you know, at least. But right away, she says, Swamiji, I gave it, it to you, not to be given away. That Swami took the shawl back. So here it is, take it. Because once you give me, it belongs to me. Then I decide what to do with it. And not you. If you don't decide, keep it with you. Meaning when I give it to somebody, then of course I give it to them, it's, it's, it's they decide what they want to do. Similarly, when I perform an action, I give it to Ishwar. He has to decide what to do with it. Then I cannot put conditions that because I did, therefore you should do something like that. Lord Krishna says, Karmanyavadikaraste ma phale shukadachana. Your role is to perform the action, but do not determine result. Because Lord Krishna says, I have to determine the result, you have to determine the karma. Don't put me in tension. Although we put Lord is also in tension. The Lord, remember I have done this, okay? Then I expect this result. He's in tension. Because what I expect may not be always the best. 
Ishwara has to make sure that the whole universe, the universal harmony is maintained. And suppose I do something that disturbs the harmony, he may not want to bring about the result. Oh, suppose the result that I'm asking for is not in my best interest also. Then also he may not want to give me. Like a mother doesn't necessarily give everything the child asks for. If she thinks there is not in the best interest, may not give it. And so also, Ishwara may not necessarily give me the results or the outcome that I want. <coughs> because in the in his opinion, meaning according to infinite wisdom, that outcome may not be in my best interest. From my standpoint, it looks like right thing for me. But who knows what this will do after five years? We don't, I don't know. I do not know what effect this, this, what I am asking today, what effect it will have after five years, ten years, twenty, I don't know. He knows it because he is omniscient. So karma yogi necessarily depends or he, he surrenders his will to the will of Ishwara. That's the karma yogi. Meaning that he leaves to Ishwara the determination of the outcome of the action. And he, he focuses his attention on what he has to do because he recognizes his role as a person who contributes. As I said, the whole universe is so created and so organized that everybody helps everybody else. That, that is the case in the, in the nature. As we quoted the verse in the morning, the sun shines not for itself but for serving everybody. That is how the whole nature is. And if you also join that scheme of things, that's wonderful. So that's how a karma yogi thinks that my role is meant to, to help, to serve. And if you can find satisfaction in doing that, if you can find satisfaction in the very act of serving, then the outcome doesn't remain important. If outcome is important, that means that the action is not important. That means action is merely a means of producing a desirable outcome. That's all the value of the action is. Meaning that I'm devaluing the action of my effort and I'm overvaluing the outcome. Lord Krishna says, recognize that it is not the outcome but the action and effort which is the most valuable. So Karma Yogi has a great value for his efforts a great value for his conduct. There is another motivation. Motivation is that I perform this action as my offering. And whatever the outcome comes, I'll accept gratefully. You would accept it anyway because you can't control the outcome anyway. As Swamiji says, you don't call all the shots. And therefore, even if you expected a certain outcome, it may not necessarily come true because our uh, knowledge is limited in the ever. Our expectations may not always turn out to be true. Our effort also is limited. Therefore, our effort may not be adequate also to produce those results that we expect. So, Karma accepts the limitation of his knowledge. Limitation of his capacity. He is very humble. He owns up his limitations also and recognizes that I do not control everything. And therefore, he gracefully accepts the outcome as it comes, recognizing that outcome always is in keeping with the input or his effort. That there is fairness in the universe, and therefore, whatever I do, I mean, as you sow, so you reap. Swamiji dissolving theory, where is the fairness? There are these five fellows working together, they're all colleagues, but the boss likes this particular one more than the other one. Why? Because he sometimes meets the boss, meets the boss in the evening and then has a drink and stuff like that and the other fellows don't have it. These things work better, Swamiji, you don't know in this world. So that's what brings the results. Not your hard work, but your context, your social skills, your ability to, uh, to uh, sell yourself, ability to project yourself, that's what counts. Not what you do. 
So merely hard work or honest work is not enough. Is not enough for what? Is not enough to get you promotion. Maybe. But ultimately I am telling you that I am sure even in the most materialistic society also, in most competitive society or any society, market-oriented society, where only performance counts, there also I do not think that a hard-working person would, would suffer. He may not perhaps gain the kind of benefit a smarter person may get away with. It's possible. But he's not very smart. Understand, smartness also is one of the things required, I mean, you know, in the life, but still. I'm sure that everybody recognizes a person is working hard, recognizes his contribution. And even though they may not value him as much as they value some other person, but definitely his value is recognized. I do not think the management is so stupid as not to recognize a value just because you don't drink with that fellow, just because you don't have those skills, you may not get certain benefits, but then I don't think that you would suffer if you are a competent person. Sometimes a person is not competent, and then he expects still the, 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 you know, the kind of benefit that other people get. The karma yogi will always do his best. He will also improve his competence, he will also work hard, he will put the best effort, and leaves the rest. Anasitaha karma phalam. The, impo- the important thing about karma yogi is that his mind is not bothered about the outcome. Usually, I mean, we know that outcome is very uncertain. And uncertainty causes anxiety. What will happen? Will I be successful or not? Will I get what I want or not? And that anxiety for the result or anxiety for the outcome affects the quality of the action also because while he's performing his action then also the anxiety for what the outcome will be, that anxiety will affect his performance. So Karma Yogi is not concerned, not concerned, he's not anxious about the outcome. I assume he's not concerned, he's not anxious about the outcome. In his mind, he's resolved that whatever outcome comes, I'm willing to gracefully accept it. And therefore, he can totally pay attention to the task at hand. And that, that is how he can do the best that he is capable of doing. So what Lord Krishna teaches is very practical also. is You know, it's very practical also. Anashitah karma phalam karyam karma karotiha sa sanyasi. Lord Krishna says this person is sanyasi. Hey, we thought sanyasi is a person who has given up all the actions. All the duties is sannyasi. This person is performing duty. How can you call him sannyasi? But what is meant by sannyasi? Sannyasi renunciate. So sannyasi, as we understand, a renunciate is renounced or he has given up all his duties. Okay. This person has not given up duties, but at least he has given up his attachment or his expectation or his demand with reference to the result of action. Something is given up. So that also is giving up. Understand, karma yogi also requires, if you want to perform action in the spirit of yoga, then it is necessary that I give up my anxiety, expectation or demand with reference to the outcome. And secondly, karyam karma karodi, when he performs the action that is supposed to be performed, then he also gives up his likes and dislikes because sometimes what we have to do may not be what we like to do. It's not always that what we require to do is what we like to do. But then, if I'm committed to do what I'm required to do, I may have to set aside my likes and dislikes. If you're lucky then what you like to do is what you get to do also. And what you don't like you don't get if you are lucky. But every time we are not lucky, very often we are required to do what we may not like to do. But then I know that this is the right thing to do and therefore my likes and I do not submit myself to my likes and dislikes, I submit myself to what is right. And therefore to perform the action which is right, it becomes necessary to all the time or most of the time I have to give up or I have to not check or keep under control my impulses of likes and dislikes. 
So this this process called this process of karma yoga becomes a process of progressively giving up the likes and dislikes, giving up our attachments, because I cannot follow values if I'm attached to a name, fame and wealth, therefore attachment has to be given up. I cannot do what is right unless I'm willing to do that which is unpleasant also, so aversion also has to be given up. So karma yogi constantly is required to give up his attachments and aversions, his likes and dislikes. These likes and dislikes are born of insecurities. Likes and dislikes are born of the ego or insecurities. So really there is nothing to be lost in giving up likes and dislikes. But I find it very painful because I think that I, what I like is what I like to do. And then, so it is, it is painful to give up our attachment and aversion. It creates conflict in the beginning. Ultimately, it brings about a peace of mind. Because I am that much free from likes and dislikes. Or I know that I perform an action which is a righteous action, which is in keeping with dharma, which is in keeping with harmony. And therefore, there is a, a harmony or there is a peace in my mind. My mind becomes free from conflicts. On the other hand, when a person compromises dharma or the values, he's going to create conflict. But as we said, when I deliberately tell a lie, it's going to create conflict in my mind. And when the mind, see, what is the problem, what is the difficulty in performing meditation, you know? Why do we have difficulty in performing meditation or any mental activity which requires focus? Is that all these little conflicts these conflicts, in fact, come in our way. Usually, the conflicts which are embedded in my mind do not have an opportunity to express themselves because I keep my mind busy with one of the activities. But now for meditation, when I make my mind free of all activities, then those fellows come out, you know. Usually, I do not allow them. Usually, I avoid my conflicts and I avoid them by keeping my engaged in one activity or the other. These workaholics, people keep working because they do not want to face themselves, that's all. He knows that if he doesn't do something, he has to confront himself, which is very difficult. That boredom inside, the sadness inside, the conflicts inside, you know, he doesn't know what to do with them. Therefore, he keeps himself busy and does not give his mind the opportunity to talk to him. As Swami says, this man comes home, doesn't talk to his wife. His wife says, I want to talk to you. I don't have time. He knows what she's going to talk. She's going to complain about the mother-in-law. Or the sister-in-law. Which means this person's mother or this person's sister. And he doesn't know what to do. He can't do anything to his mother. So there's no solution to the problems. And then it's very frustrating to listen to those things. And therefore he avoids listening to her. One day it explodes. I mean, you know, she just cannot contain it with her and then she explodes. Similarly also we keep on avoiding our mind wants to complain. Our mind wants to tell something. The conflicts are there. The mind wants to talk to us and we avoid it. I don't have time. I want to go to a movie. I want to watch TV. I want to do this and do that. And therefore, all the things that are actually, they, they are stored in the mind, have no opportunity to express themselves. So they are waiting. Like child, we keep on ignoring the child or keep on shutting up the child because it wants something and I don't want to give him something. And when my friend comes and talks to me, then the child finds a good opportunity. Says, Mom, may I have this candy? Now mom cannot actually shout at him now in presence of her friend. Okay, have it. So also when I start meditating, that's when all those conflicts and then the discomfort in the mind, they all come out. Drawing my attention. That's why you find it's so difficult to focus the mind. Because the mind, we have not actually dealt with our mind, we have not actually kept our mind in proper order. So for a karma yogi, when there is a commitment, 
commitment to doing what is right thing to do, whether it is inconvenient or convenient, painful or not painful, whether I like it or not. When you are ill, when you go to Ayurvedic physician, then he gives you some dietary rules. The Swamiji, every day you must eat bitter goat, karala, every day. I don't, I don't like them. But then, they say in Ayurveda that the medicine will be effective only when you follow the diet, not otherwise. And so, whether I like it or not, I have to do that. Sometimes what the physician says is what I like. Sometimes they say, when you are, when you are fever and things like that, they say that, eat this halwa, you know. So what you like is what it gives you. That is rare, but it may happen. Usually, what they ask you to do is what you do not like. But knowing that, that is good for your health, you do it anyway. You take bitter medicines. There are some Ayurvedic physicians, they already printed lists of what you should not eat. Moment you enter their office, they give you this list. And that excludes everything that I like. Leaves nothing. And they say, Swamiji, because you have this disease for so many years, you will have to take this medicine for 27 weeks, that means six months. And so, for six months, I am, dep- I am denied. Now, what I like? But then, if I want to get this disease cured, I may as well do it. And so also, all kinds of diseases are there in our mind, in terms of the sadness and sorrow and grief and all these things are there. So, Karma Yoga is a medicine which requires me to give up my attachments, my likes and dislikes. It is painful to give up likes and dislikes. What is, in, what is painful in the short run turns out to be very pleasant at the, in the long run. Short term pain, long term gain. For a samsari who always goes for his temptations, he always wants to fulfill his likes and dislikes. There is short term gain, long term pain. <clears throat> Therefore, Lord Krishna praises Karma Yogi. He is a sannyasi, he is a renunciate. Because performing karma in the spirit of yoga involves renunciation of my personal comforts, my personal likes and dislikes. I have to set aside, to let them go in order to do what is right and doing it in the right way. So sannyasi, cha yogi, he is also yogi. Because who is a yogi? One who enjoys a contemplative mind is yogi. And we said, what comes in our meditation and contemplation? All those inner conflicts. But here, this karma yogi, by sticking to what is right, he avoids conflicts. His mind is very clear. Because when you when you are honest and when you are truthful, then at least the mind is clear. There are no conflicts. You can sleep happily. And you can do what you want with your mind. Therefore, he is yogi also. In a, in a secondary sense. Sasanyasi cha yogi cha. So Lord Krishna praises a karma yogi by equating, equating him to a sannyasi, to a renunciate. And also equating him to a yogi. Yogi is a person with a complete control over his mind. Still, karma yogi is not a yogi in the primary sense. Chittavurti Naroda, one who has completely, st- I mean, totally made his mind free from all Chittavurti, they're all sorts, he's not a yogi like that. But at least he becomes free from the disturbing thoughts, understand? The likes and dislikes are very irritants. And therefore, this Karma Yogi progressively acquires a mind that becomes free from dislikes and dislikes, which are disturbing things. So he's a yogi to some extent because he does possess a mind which is free from these disturbances and distractions. He is also a sannyasi because he all the time renounces his attachments, his likes and dislikes. Therefore, so sannyasi cha yogi cha, he is both a sannyasi as well as yogi. Which means that someday he will become a real sannyasi and a real yogi also. Who is a real sannyasi? A real sannyasi is a wise person. 
who knows himself as actionless self and therefore we say in the morning he is sannyasi by virtue of his wisdom. But when Lord Krishna says the karma yogi is a sannyasi which means that someday he will become a sannyasi. And who is a yogi? Yogi is a person whose mind is completely free from all thoughts. Meaning who enjoys a completely abiding mind who abides in his own self Someday this karma yogi will become yogi also. So sannyasi cha yogi cha. If you have value for that, if becoming a sannyasi or becoming a yogi is the goal. As I said, who is a sannyasi? Is a person who is a renunciate by virtue of his wisdom, who enjoys an abiding wisdom. That is a sannyasi. He is free from the sense of doership. And therefore, even when actions are performed, he knows that I, the self, does not perform any action. It is by worship that wisdom that he is a sannyasi. If that's what he wants, who is the yogi? Yogi is the one who abides in the knowledge of his true nature. He is a yogi. Same as sannyasi. Same as a wise person. If that is what we want to become, then karma yoga is the means. If that's not what I want to become, then karma is the wrong thing. So sometimes this teaching creates conflicts in people. Because if our goals continue to be only wealth and name and fame, let us say, if they continue to be goals, and then you try to practice karma yoga, sometimes it doesn't work out. Because said, karma yoga is meant for making us sannyasis and yogis. Not sannyasi in terms of I mean lifestyle, but definitely sannyas in terms of wisdom. Yogi is in terms of a complete control over the mind, mastery over the mind. That's what this is meant for. If there is value for that. As you say, if I recognize that happiness is the nature of self, and all I need to do is to remove the obstacles in the manifestation of that, and obstacles are all ignorance, and the ego, and likes and dislikes then karma yoga is the process of removing those obstacles which leads me ultimately to abidance in my nature which is fullness, which is wholeness, which is freedom, which is happiness, which is really the goal. Even through acquiring the material ends also, what a person is seeking is that, doesn't know that. So then if the goal is very clear, there is no conflict in living the life of karma yoga. Therefore, Lord Krishna here begins the chapter of Dhyana Yoga or the Yoga of Meditation by actually first praising a Karma Yogi, thereby implying that Karma Yoga or living life of action, the spirit of Yoga is required to prepare the mind for meditation or contemplation. <coughs> Then naniragnihi, nachakriyaha, that is also there. Niragnihi. Agni means fire. Niragnihi means one who is given a fire. So this Agni, you know all the Vedic rituals always involved fire. In the Vedic times, all worship was done with the help of fire. They were performing yajna or the fire rituals. Those days they said the worship was not through images or through murtis. Worship of the devatas was through fire. You kindle the fire in the altar, invoke the devata and make offering to that devata. Either you think that the fire, Devada is right there in the fire and therefore you are offering, or you may say that the fire is the carrier who takes his offering to the respective Devada. Therefore, Vedic rituals involved always fire. So when a person becomes a renunciate, when he says that I am giving up all my duties, meaning that from now on he does not have to perform any daily or obligatory duties. See, Vedas prescribe for everybody 
the daily duties, duties that a person is required to perform every day. <clears throat> every person was required to perform five kinds of yajnas. Meaning there must be offering in life of a person. Yajnas are offering made to devatas by way of homa. Offering made to the, the mains also by way of tarpanam or also by way of sometimes homas. Offering made to sages by way of repeating the Vedas and passing on to others. Offerings made to other human beings by way of giving them food and shelter. And offerings made to other living beings by way of giving them food like to the cows and to the, to the trees and to the insects. So Vedas prescribe that in life of every human being these offerings must be there. That's called daily duty. Every day. In fact, in Vedic times when a person gets married, the husband and wife, so on the day of the marriage, were supposed to perform Agnihotra Karma. Every morning and evening, you're supposed to make an offering. Until the person dies, it becomes infirm. The idea is that a life of dharma, according to the prescription of Veda, always involves an offering. Often offering to fire. Therefore, when a person takes to the life of renunciate, he says, from now on, I am free from the responsibility or duty of having to perform daily and obligatory duties. Not only you are required to perform duties daily, but on occasions, such as on Purnima, some very special thing must be done, Namava said another thing to be done. And so, like any religious tradition, if you are Vaishnava, if you are Shaiva, whoever you are, so not only every day you do your puja, etc., on Ekadashi you do something special, and then on the Purnima you do something else, and then month of Shravana you do something else, and Shivratri you do something else, and Master Vyas something else. That is called Naimitri Karma or occasional duty. So daily and occasional duty. That one was required to perform. You have to be alert. That is why Sanyasi is the one who formally gives up this daily and occasional obligatory duties. From now on, he doesn't have to perform any homa, nothing at all. So you can say symbolically, he has given up fire. He has given up all duties because duties always involve the fire. And then you can say that a sannyas is the one who has given up fire. Niragnehi, one who is free from agni of the fire, meaning one who has given up all the Vedic duties, all the Vedic karmas. So Niragnehi, this expression, the one that is renounced the fire, refers to the sannyasi or renunciate. Meaning, because, as I said, performing Vedic karmas always involved fire, and renouncing those karmas meant that you are renouncing fire. So, niragnihi is a term that describes the sannyasi. Na niragnihi, akriya. A yogi, on the other hand, has given up all activities, because he has stilled his mind completely. And therefore, he performs no action at all. He is totally free from all activities. So, akriya, the one who is without any kriya or activity, that term describes a yogi. Niragnihi, so sannyasi is niragni, si sa sannyasi cha yogi cha. So, there is a sequence. First sannyasi, then yogi. Then Lord Krishna says, niragnihi akriya. Sanyasi is equal to Niragnihi and Yogi is equal to Akriya. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says, don't think that the one who has given up Agni or the fire alone is a Sanyasi. Even this fellow, even though he is performing his duties and maintaining fire, he is still a Sanyasi because he is a spirit of Sanyasa. And the person who has given up all activities, he alone is Yogi, not necessarily. Even though Karma Yogi is performing action, still is Yogi because while performing his actions, he is giving up the, the, those thoughts which the conflicts which are disturbing the mind, meaning that he is in the process of 
becoming a yogi. <coughs> In short, here Lord Krishna describes a karma yogi and praises karma yogi as a sannyasi as well as yogi. <coughs> that is continued in the second verse also. Some people translate this verse in a different way, you know. That is niragni, one who is given up agni is not a sannyasi. Akriya, one who is given up kriya is not a yogi. But this fellow is a sannyasi and yogi. But that is, that should not be, not only niragni and akriya, but this person also is a sannyasi and a yogi. <coughs> So how come Lord Krishna calls this person a sannyasi? He is not a sannyasi. How come he calls him a yogi? He is not a yogi in the primary sense. So in the next verse, Lord Krishna clarifies. Yam sannyasamiti prahuhu Yogam tam vidhi pandava Nakya sanyasta sankalpaha Yogi bhavati kaschana Yam sanyasamidhi prahu He Pandava, he Arjuna Vidhi understand that Yam sanyasamidhi prahu That is either called sanyasa Tam yogam vidhi Understand that what is karma yoga is nothing but sannyasa. Again, Lord Krishna repeats that a karma yogi is a sannyasi, which it is not. Understand? Because sannyasi is either is the one who has formally renounced all the duties and therefore now living a life of renunciate who doesn't perform any duties, as you said, he is a person who has devoted himself to a contemplative life, seeking knowledge. Or a sannyasi is the one who is paramadika sannyasi, meaning who is a sannyasi or renunciate by virtue of wisdom. Meaning who knows the self as actionless and therefore does not know that he or self does not perform action even when actions are being performed. So in either, in either way this karma yogi is not a sannyasi because he has neither given up his duties nor does he have the knowledge that I am actionless self. And see Lord Krishna says this, Yam sannyasa miti prahu, that which is called sannyasa. Yogam tam vidhi pandava, he pandava, he arjuna, we know that to be yoga, karma yoga. So we ask Lord Krishna, what similarity do you see between the two? What, what is the similarity? Some similarity must be there. See sometimes, you know you say that, Sometimes people introduce them, introduce Swamiji, his lion so and so. Have you ever come across this? His lion so and so, who is a lion, just a member of Lions Club, that's all, you know, it's called a lion so and so. Or sometimes the person is called lion, he is Swamiji, he is a man of iron, you know, he is an iron man. He is a lion. He's not a lion in primary sense, but he possesses some quality of lion. It's called gauna prayoga, a secondary use of the word. He is fire. Swami that day, the dish that was cooked was fire, you know. Meaning it was so hot that you have the same sensation as though you are burnt. But it's not fire in the primary sense. This fellow is fire. He's not fire. He's as brilliant as the fire is. Or he is perhaps as burning as the fire, whatever it is. He is a lion. He is as fearless as a lion is. Or he is as ferocious as a lion is, whatever. Some, some quality is there. And therefore, it is customary to use such expressions in what we call a secondary sense, not in primary sense. Thus, we call a person a lion because he possesses some qualities which the lion has. You call this person a fire because he possesses some quality because I mean quality that fire has. And similarly also, Lord Krishna is calling this karma yoga sannyasi because 
karma yogi has some qualities that a sannyasi has. While sannyasi is renunciate in the primary sense, a karma yogi is renunciate in a secondary sense, minor sense. Sannyasi has given up even the kartrutva buddhi, the sense of doership is given up in the wake of knowledge. A karma yogi, he still has a notion that I am a doer. But he has given up, as we said, his sankalpa. What is sankalpa? Raga and dvesha. So at least a karma yogi gives up his raga dveshas. A karma yogi gives up his passions. He gives us impulses. Because every time we submit ourselves to impulse, we wind up doing something which is hurting, which is violent and therefore he has to be alert and has to always keep under check his, his impulses. So that's what he has given up. Nahi asanyasta sankalpaha yogi bhoji kasyana because here you know, nobody can ever become a yogi unless he has given up all sankalpa. Sankalpa can mean a thought also. A yogi in fact has given up all the thoughts. He has gained such a mastery over his mind that at Kamai's command, he can make his mind free from all thoughts completely. Karma yogi is not like that as yet. But at least he has gained that much control over himself that his mind does not come under the control of his impulses, under the control of likes and dislikes. That much sankalpa he has given up. And therefore, nakya sanyasa sankalpaha. Here, Arjuna, a person who is not given up, not renounce all sankalpas, which, which ultimately give up the, which produce desires. This also can be called sankalpa. Sankalpa means resolve. I want this, I want that. Do you know that when these priests perform rituals, they perform a sankalpa. Before performing a ritual, there is sankalpa, a resolve. Where they declare, what is the purpose why this ritual is being performed? So they ask you, why, suppose you sponsor a ritual, they'll ask you, apart from what is the gotra and what is all those details, they'll also ask you, why do you want this to be performed? Then I will tell them, because of my health, because I want wealth, because I want certain things, my daughter or son, something, some purpose I will tell. And then he will say, okay, may this action bring about this kind of result, for this sponsor. Let's go sankalpa. Sankalpa means a desire. Keeping which in mind, I perform an action. Sankalpa means a desire. I want this, I want that. So usually a person performs action to fulfill the desires. Whereas the karma yogi performs action not to fulfill his desire. He performs an action because to, for, to fulfill his duty rather than to fulfill the desire. So karma yoga also ultimately amounts to saying that he is the person who performs actions without the desire, meaning that he, he does not have a personal agenda in performing an action. What is meant by desire is a personal agenda. When you want to gratify our ego, when I want some gratification from an action, I want the action to produce some gratification of senses, that it produces something that I like to enjoy. Or it gives me gratification of ego, it gives me some name and fame or recognition. So usually there is a calculation behind performing an action, that a person is seeking some other gratification. But karma yogi does not perform action for gratification. He is not seeking gratification of senses, nor is seeking gratification of ego. He recognizes that more gratification I seek, more my mind will demand. Because this gratification is like fire, and more we satisfy, more demanding it becomes. So a karma yogi performs action not for his gratification. He performs action as a contribution, as an offering. Therefore, this, this sankalpa, all this desire for gratification, which is a common motivating factor. The common motivating factor behind performing any action is that a person who performs action seeks some or the other gratification. 
either he is seeking some pleasurable object as a performing action or he is seeking some kind of a gratification of ego meaning that as a result of performing action he is seeking some recognition he is seeking some fame he is seeking some name he is seeking some power therefore these are the motivations behind the actions performed by an ordinary person the only problem is that your action satisfies this desire then it is not that desire is satisfied forever then the mind wants the more of the same thing if I get a million dollars it is not that I am quiet now that I am content or satisfied my mind will want one more million if I get a certain position like I become a chief executive or CEO of a corporation I want to become CEO of two corporations I will have some I will merge and I will want to become bigger than what I am that is the nature of mind, which is never satisfied with what it has. And more we satisfy the needs of the mind, more needs it brings up. Karma Yogi knows that the way of becoming happy is not by seeking gratification. The way of becoming happy is bring to manifestation my true nature. By removing the obstacles of likes and dislikes. In fact, this desire for gratification is a very obstacle which deprives me of gratification myself. As long as I am seeking gratification from non-self, so long I am deprived the gratification of self. Therefore, Sankalpa, Karma Yogi, does not have, does not perform action with a personal agenda, with a desire for personal gratification. He performs action with a certain purpose. As I said, more is a contributor, more is help, more is serving, more is an offering. A karma yogi is a person who performs action in the spirit of devotion as he is offering to Ishwara. Who has given him all this? Person recognizes that so much has been given to me. This body, mind, intellect, all these are given, so many things are given to me. Now is my place to give back. We tell our children also. That look, as long as your children are young, you are the receivers. You are at the, you are the receivers. And it is true also, that parents have to give to the children. Then alone the children can grow. Just as when we are raising a plant, we have to give to the plant what it requires. In terms of water, in terms of soil, in terms of protection, in terms of support, in terms of manure, whatever. Someday this thing will become a tree. Then it will no more a requirer. It then becomes self-sufficient. Then it becomes a giver. So, this is how the transformation happens. One of the receiver, in course of time, becomes a giver. A child who is a receiver, when he is growing up, when he grows up, then he becomes a giver. He should become a giver. That is how we say that, look, you have to look after your parents, look after your elders, because they have given you all this. Now that you have grown up, and now that you become, you know, you become self-sufficient, you can't forget them. That your selfish motive is satisfied, you can't forget them, you can't be, you know, there must be a sense of gratitude. So all of this is discussed earlier anyway. So Lord Krishna says that whenever a human being recognizes what all we have received in our life, there is a sense of gratitude. And therefore, a yogi performs his action with a sense of gratitude. That he wants to return the favor for the favors that have been done to him. Therefore, sankalpa in terms of desire, a personal agenda, or desire for personal gratification, is not there in the karma yogi. That kind of sankalpa, or the desire of personal gratification, he has given up. A yogi has given up all sorts. A karma yogi at least has given up the desires for his personal gratification. That is a similarity. To some extent, the karma yogi also has the, the traits of, a, of the main yogi. He also has the traits of the main sannyasi. That's the reason why 
Lord Krishna in the first verse praised him as a sannyasi, as well as yogi, even though he is not an akriya, even though he is not an eragne, and still he is a yogi and a sannyasi. So, nakya sannyasta sankalpaha yogi bhavadi kasyana. Nobody can ever become a yogi unless he has given up all sankalpa, means all desires, all likes and dislikes. Desires cannot be given up really, desires have to go away. And desires will go away to the extent that you discover that contentment from within yourself. So therefore, karma yoga is not merely a process of performing action. It becomes a process of self-growth. It becomes a process of progressively discovering the happiness from within oneself. Therefore, karma yoga in fact produces immediate gratification from within. When I give up the desires for gratification from without, then the reward is that I discover a gratification from myself. So you don't think that karma yogi is a miserable person. Swami is even a miserable fellow. He doesn't desire any sense pleasures. He doesn't desire any you great. Then what does he, what is the enjoyment in his life? What is the pleasure? As you say, happiness is his own self. And by giving up these desires, he is only removing the clouds which are covering this happiness. And therefore, he is progressively bringing to manifestation happiness of his own self. And therefore, to the extent that one gives up the desires for external things, to that extent, one discovers the gratification for one's own self. So he is not denied this happiness. He has what we call a happiness accompanied with freedom, whereas the other person has happiness accompanied with bondage. That's the difference. And so, this is why Lord Krishna equated karma yoga with a sannyas and a yogi. <coughs> okay, we'll continue. Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Vande Bhagavanta Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Om Shantishanti Shanti Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om